more money, you got less problems. At least mine, the ones all your basics accounted for. Team Elite, I run with them, guaranteed to be Final Four. Less money, you got more problems. More money, you got less problems. Back, uh, bringing Albany community's knowledge. Uh, tonight, we have uh, the honor of doing another Sunday interview. Uh, as you guys know, we typically do our interviews on Tuesday evenings, but this is this Sunday morning because we had to, to, to make time and slide in time to get this person in here. You guys listened to my last interview with uh, the Honorable D uh, DJ or Derek Johnson. I told you I had a lineup in mind and I could not start my female lineup until we got this young lady uh, on or in here uh, to do her interview as well. So back Albany community, I uh, really want to introduce you guys to our guest tonight, which is Miss Sheena Collier. And she's going to tell us everything about herself, uh, uh, what Albany means to her, what she's uh, doing, and what she's been up to. So first and foremost, thank you for joining us this morning, Machine. I greatly appreciate it. Anytime. I mean, I don't know if you heard me. You said, uh, I don't know if you heard me when I said it, I couldn't start my female interviews without you. So, yeah. yeah. I felt special when you said that. Okay, good, good. Because I was like, uh, I'm like, man, this is going to be horrible. I said, everybody's going to be thinking all I'm interviewing is, is all, I mean, uh, guys, but back. I said, I, I don't want that. But we have a strong female lineup that's, uh, that's going to be coming up too. But we wanted to make sure that uh, we kicked it off with, uh, with its original vision or uh, the, the concept that I had in mind. One was uh, JC for the males and you for the females. So thanks again for, uh, for joining us. And I look forward to diving into our conversation. All right. Well, uh, it's typically routine for me. Uh, before we go ahead and get started, I always like to ask, uh, one, uh, we've been quarantined now going close to six months, I believe. So uh, how have you been surviving during this quarantine time period? Uh, what kind of creative uh, things have you been doing for you and your family to get through the quarantine uh, period? How, uh, what has quarantine uh, done to you? Um, well, thank you for having me. I appreciate this and appreciate what you're doing for Albany um, to, to make sure we're all repping Albany well. Um, this is a crazy ass time. And I, for me, um, it's actually been, you know, the world, the, the sky is falling. But me personally, it's actually been a pretty good time. So mm. I've been, one, it helped me to slow down. Um, you know, just because I had to. And um, that has been, it's been great to kind of create some space for just thinking, honestly, and not running around all the time. Um, everyone in my family and friend circle is healthy. So that is really the most important thing. Like, I, and I have a big family. I mean, all the way from Albany, obviously, to Georgia, to Florida, to Philly. Mm -hmm. And no one's gotten sick. Uh, okay. so I've been... I've been very thankful for that. Um, and it's actually brought us closer. We have a family Zoom every single week since uh, probably the second week in April. Uh, mm. My mother, my aunts, my first cousins, uh, and then we do a whole family one, like the 100 plus folks uh, once a month. Mm. Nice. Uh, we, did, we actually did our family reunion on Zoom. Nice. Look at that. Look at that. I yeah. think it's one of those times where 
you know, you're forced to do things that are honestly you probably should have been doing all along. Mm -hmm. um, as far as reconnecting with people. Uh, so I've appreciated that part of it. Um, and I, you know, we'll talk about it later, but I launched a whole new business. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Boston Wild Black. Oh, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Uh, congratulations, uh, one, on uh, thriving during this quarantine season uh, because uh, it can be uh, just as equally, just as much as you could have advanced during this time period, you very could have easily spiraled into uh, a, a place where it's like, I'm ready for this thing to be over. So thank you for pulling out the creative juices and staying focused, staying positive, and finding uh, creative ways to interact with others during this time period. You know, I see your virtual parties online. Uh, like you said, you just launched a new business. But uh, let me not overshadow the fact that you said you and your family have been able to stay together during this quarantine time period uh, to be able to do your uh, family reunion uh, as a Zoom party. That's dope. And hopefully, you know, it, it gives some other inspiration to other people uh, who are looking for ways to connect and stay connected because who knows how long this quarantine period is really going to be lasting for. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I, um, you know, I also, though I'm personally doing well, um, have folks around me who are not, um, some people that have lost mm -hmm. family um, and just, you know, seeing what's going on in the world is hard for me. So mm -hmm. Through kind of peaks and valleys, I think like everybody else, and I've had, I've had days or weeks where I'm like, um, "This is going to be too much." I'm, I'm even though I'm very social, I'm actually an introvert, so it didn't bother me for a while <laughs> being kind of home. But um, I'm start, I'm definitely starting to get antsy. I started to creep back out there. Okay, you <laughs> said, "Listen, enough is enough." But you know, knowing like you know, less than 50% of Black people in the U.S. have a job right now. Mm -hmm. Things like that are, are definitely weighing on me. Okay, okay. And it's definitely something to, uh, to be mindful of. The fact how COVID, uh, as well as unemployment, all of these primarily affect uh, a population of people, the Black community, a lot more than, than anyone else. I, uh, uh, not to go on a, on a rant, uh, but I was just watching a clip on TMZ earlier today before I, I ran the CVS uh, about the kid who just got shot in Louisiana. And I'm just like, it's, it's I just, all like my answer was, it's too much. It's too much. It's too much. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, here's my chance to get a chance. Uh, here's my opportunity to dive into your world a little bit. But I also want you to introduce yourself to the Albany community. For those who don't know you, uh, this is a great opportunity for you to uh, tell us a little bit more about you. So I'm going to launch into our first question for you uh, this morning. And it is, what are you doing now? Uh, what kind of work do you do? And any passion projects or new endeavors that you're working on? Can you please tell the back community about Sheena Collier? Oh, man. Um, all right. I'll try to think of a succinct way to say this. So. Um, I, so I've been in Boston now, I've been gone from Albany, like, full-time since I was, damn, for 20 years. Um, 20 years ago, I left to go to college, um, but I, like, officially, like, moved, like, as a resident to Boston 16 years ago. So, 
uh, I came here to get my master's in education and worked in education for over a decade in schools and community organizations. But now I am a business owner. So I own businesses. Um, I have a business that I launched about four years ago called the Collier Connection. My last name is Collier. And um, initially it started as an event planning company. I would work with companies that wanted to plan galas or festivals, um, but they usually, they usually were hiring me because they wanted to not only plan an event, but better engage uh, communities of color. And okay. so, um, so that was what I, I still do some of that as well. Um, so that's what Collier Connection focuses on. Now I do much more with uh, businesses who want to, you know, buy more of their um, products from businesses owned by people of color. I want to hire more people of color. Uh, so that's what my consulting is about under Collier Connection. And then I mentioned I launched another business during the pandemic called Boston Law Black, which I was planning before the pandemic, but um, just had to switch up what I was doing a little um, and make it virtual. Um, but the, what Boston Law Black is, is a membership community for Black people, particularly entrepreneurs, young professionals, grad students who are who are trying to find their way in Boston. And for those who maybe haven't been to Boston or you just heard a little bit about Boston, you know, it has this reputation for being racist and segregated. Um, and there's some truth to that, you know, it's also the racist and segregated. And so um, I don't think Boston is so different from the rest of the country, but I do think that a lot of stuff, it's a small major city. So a lot of stuff is um, kind of, here, this, here it's kind of like a model of what's going on in the rest of the country. So what ends up happening is some of the best schools here, a lot of the best companies are here. Almost all the major sneaker brands are, are based in Boston. You know, a lot of the like technology companies are based here. So there's really dope jobs here, um, but black people don't want to live here um, because they don't, it doesn't have the nightlife like some other places, social life you know, the opportunities for like home ownership, like living in like a black neighborhood, like things like that. So I created Boston Wild Black as a way to one, help black people to feel more connected to each other here. Uh, I also work with um, city, other institutions to make sure that black people feel comfortable in, in different spaces around the city. Um, but my ultimate goal is to build raise the visibility of Black people in Boston and build our power. Well, that's my passion project and my job. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, what they say, uh, uh, when you love what you do, you never, uh, you, you never work a day in your life. So uh, uh, it's glad to hear that you have been able to combine both the passion uh, uh, and the work uh, as a means of uh, uh, surviving and thriving. So congratulations on both those endeavors. And I'm sure that they're only two of the many things that you, uh, you are involved in, but uh, it is a major accomplishment to be able to not only start something, but to keep it running. So congratulations on that. And uh, I wish you continued success as always. Uh, and I know that you'll do just fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a, I, well, we'll talk about Ugni because I have, I have thoughts on, you know, other places that need, um, and Austin is never like 
disingenuine, never far from my mind. And I'm all about how do I get myself in a good, stable financial position and, and um, otherwise so that I can um, figure out how do I take all this that I've learned and all these great connections that I have mm. um, and make sure that my hometown benefits from it. And listen, uh, for those uh, for those who don't know, uh, I, I know that Albany is near and dear uh, to your heart, which is one of the reasons why I wanted you first. Uh, among among a host of others, the fact that we both love music and I like to pick your brain to see what's going on right now. I really want to ask you about this new Nas album, but I'm not going to ask you right now. But, um, uh, you know, so I know that Albany is near and dear to you. And even uh, when you were explaining about Boston Wild Black, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking about, you know, how can we do a spinoff of that uh, and maybe get uh, someone local to work with you to be able to do a rendition of that here in Albany with the same love and passion that you have poured into Boston Wild Black. But, you know, I yeah. can think. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, I'm about to, I want to get, I want to get directly to your love for Albany, which is why I'm going to hit you with your next question. Uh, I call this one my power question because it tells me a lot about you and it also allows the audience to, uh, to, to gather a better picture of, of what Albany means to you. So where's your favorite place to go visit in Albany and why? Dang. I don't know. Uh, all right. I don't know if this is my favorite, but you know the first thing that popped in my don't say Kenneths. Why? Why? What, my, why my inside is gonna say you are gonna say Kenneths? Don't say Kenneths. No, no, no. It's um, sixteen bars on Central Ave. So, you know, obviously mixed CDs are not. You know, we, we don't buy CDs anymore. But I actually kept them up until not that long ago, only because I would go to sixteen bars when I came home. Um, so, you know, you know where sixteen bars is near mm -hmm. so on Central near Bricks Barbershop. Um, with Bricks is my, that's my brother-in-law owns Bricks. And so I would always, anytime, I don't care like what I'm in Albany for, even if I just will come up here for the mm -hmm. day, I have to hit 16 bars. Even though I'm, I know I could buy mixed tapes in Boston, but for me, it felt like I had to go home to get new music. And okay. so I always would stop by there. Dude knew me, like he was like, oh, you're home. Like, yep, let me know what i'm buying like 10 mix cds and i would listen to them all the way on my ride back to boston it's about a two and a half three hour drive um then i would come home and, and upload them or download them i guess to my laptop um but i don't yeah i don't know if that's my favorite place i mean other than my my family now you know i'm old now i can go see my family when i go home but um that is definitely for years was like a must stop place for me Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you, you definitely, you definitely messed me up already. I, I, I didn't expect 16 bars, but like I said, goes back to that musical reference. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I appreciate that one right there because, um, you know, you know, I'm going off, I'm going off, uh, 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 on a tangent right now, but I think what people are listening to right now, um, not only does it describe their personality, their needs, or, you know, I mean, what they're interested in, but I think a lot of times it looks, it'll display a person's motivation. So, you know, I, I look at a lot of stuff that's going on with Albany 
And, you know, I have conversations with everyone and everyone's just like, yo, because they listening to that drill music. You know what I mean? So it's just like, you know, music is so influential uh, and being careful what we choose to digest and how we digest it, you know what I mean, uh, ultimately impacts us in ways that uh, subconsciously we don't even know that it does. So it's dope to hear that, you know, that's your spot in Albany, 16 bars on Central Avenue. There's your shout out. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's dope. Yeah, that's a good point I didn't think about. First of all, I don't know what drill music is. Okay. Um, but um, I, I think I have enough sense by the name. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it, that's an interesting point because, you know, my whole life is a soundtrack. And I, mm -hmm. if I'm not talking to anyone, I have music on. And it does, it, it does put you in a certain state. It, a song could totally shift your frame of mind. Um, it can totally influence uh, how you feel about yourself or um, what's in front of you. So that that's definitely a good point. I had a whole debate about WAP the last couple mm. of weeks. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, because I'm, you know, Selman and Harvard educated now, but grew up in Albany, 13, one little Kim and Foxy Brown came out. And mm. I, so I was kind of on the end of like, y'all are like doing too much. Like, this is, it's, it's an expression. It ain't new kind of music. Like, why are we, like, why is there this much conversation over it? But, you know, I do, if I'm being honest, um, listening to hardcore and Il Nana didn't make me go out and, and do all that, but it definitely gives you a, um, gives you an idea of, like, okay, this is what's expected. Hmm. Uh, so I can yeah, and uh, I, I think I think uh, you touched on the fact that listening to Hardcore and Ill Nana, which was two of the dopest albums ever, uh, uh, still to this day, you know what I mean? But like you said, it didn't make you want to go out and, and, and do everything that they were describing. Not to say it didn't make us want to go do some of it, make you want to go do some of it, but not everything. And I think that in uh, today's culture where we're overly influenced by what's on social media like we didn't have social media uh, uh as much as that's out there right now i think we had black was it black planet had, that had just started to come out you had aol and you had to wait to get connected you know what i mean but um you know right now it's just uh what they see on tv or what's on tv does overly influence people a lot more and you know i have these conversations oftentimes with my wife sometimes too and be like you know, why don't we have people aspiring to be like Michelle Obama? Why don't we have people aspiring to be uh, uh, Oprah? You know what I mean? But it'd be like, it'll be a song like uh, a, a WAP, you know what I mean? And be like, oh, yeah, da, da, da. And we just got to realize where our influences are coming from and uh, be able to enjoy it. He's like, I love music. Like you said, music is, a, you got a soundtrack to your life on it. I can tell you by every song where I was, uh, where that song came out. Period. You get N O R E, whatever it is. I can I can give you every song and tell you where I was at uh, at, at what particular stage in my life based upon uh, a song. So be careful what you're taking in and be mindful of of the uh, lasting impressions that it subconsciously puts on us because it does affect us. And I think that was one of the that was one of the conversations I had recently had about Albany because it was just saying like a lot of the younger generation are just listening to this drill music and not even realize how subconsciously 
that, you know, it puts them in that mood, that atmosphere to get active. Mm. So, yeah. 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 But 16 bars, 16 bars. Okay. All right. Next question for you, though. Thinking of the younger Sheena, what is, what is something or what are some things that you wish someone would have set you to the side and, and explained to you or, or, uh, or educated you on? So thinking of your younger self, what is something that you wish someone had explained to you? Mm. Um, something, so I have to kind of talk this out, I gotta think. So I, I felt like I was there, I was poured in to a lot academically. Like that was the focus for my family, particularly my father, like do well in school by any means necessary. Don't get no B, everything out of the A, you know, like that was, um, so that's where a lot of focus of my childhood was on those type of conversations, less so on um, just who I should be as a girl and a woman, you know, who, how, what kind of relationships I wanted to have, both like friendships and romantic relationships, you know, how I should, um, demand or ask to be treated, you know, what kind of expectations mm -hmm. I should have. So, you know, I really, for my friends, um, you know, I don't have kids yet. So my friends that have kids, particularly, not not just girls, but um, particularly girls, one of the things that I suggest to them is talking to their girls about just who they want to be as young women, like how they want to be seen and treated you know what um you know essentially respect because i think my parents were super the the only time i ever remember my mother saying something about sex to me is i had already gone to college and she just she called me randomly one day and was like you need condoms i was like no <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know but i think it's even it's bigger than that though it's, it's not just about that it's just about you know how you uh, feel about yourself as a young person and just be able to make good decisions about the people that you have around you um and yeah and just kind of like how you how you expect to be treated i think that um that's one area that i i definitely wish i was poured into more i was i like over was over poured on the the academic and career side and you know that's an area i've just always excelled because it's it's like I could do the stuff in my feet, you know, because mm -hmm. it's such a big part of, um, you know, you good, you get good at what you practice at. So mm -hmm. that's what I've always focused on. So, um, so I've been able to excel, but I think that that's a, that's a big area for me. I will say though, um, and I, I don't want to say struggle with this, but I think about it. I think I'm a pretty dope person. Okay. And, <laughs> meaning like, my my mix of experiences that I've had, I feel like I don't want to say they're unique, like no one else has had them, but they're. I feel like it does give me an advantage in a lot of ways. Like I'm, I've I've seen a lot in Albany, um, mm. and and I'm very street smart. You know, I've gone to great educational institutions. Now I sit in boardrooms with literally like the top CEOs in the country um, leading meetings. And I'm comfortable in all of those spaces. And I think it's because of honestly some of the probably tougher things that I've experienced. And so I don't want to, I, 
I, I think about this sometimes, like would I trade those experiences? Like would I want to have had um, maybe some different things happen in my upbringing? Um, but I actually think it, it all made me who I am. So Real talk. it's hard for me to say like, I wouldn't want to experience that. I do think about when I have children, how to make them, because I feel like I'm pretty well-rounded and I want them to be well-rounded without having the same experiences. Okay. Um, to deal with some of the same stuff but still have the same um still know how to take care of themselves and uh to to, to be honest just to piggyback i think uh, i think it's dope uh i think i think it's one is aspirational but i think it's dope uh, i know you used the word but uh like you said your parents uh imprinted on you the need for education right and like you said so but it's always a balance so it's like, we always got to have balance. Think about it. We always, we grew up with people who had um, uh, uh, parents who were clergy and in, in, in churches or, 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 uh, or at the mosque and stuff like that. It was like, so it was like, if you give somebody too much of anything, it's going to be a problem. You know what I mean? But everything in moderation and it's just like to find a good balance. So just like education, you need that. That's your staple. That's your uh, as Aaron Barnett said, what do you say? That's your passport to the future. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, well, he got it from Malcolm X, but I, I might've messed it up all wrong. But, uh, anywho, that, so, so that's your staple. That's the foundation. But in that, you also want to be able to have a good enough balance of who I need to be as a person to be able to fill in those holes within myself that I can't get filled just through education. It was like, you know, sometimes you got to go through the vicissitudes of life uh, the ups and downs, just to be able to realize to how to get through and navigate. But I got some questions that's, that, uh, that's coming up that's really going to help me to tap into some of those things that you just uh, that you just mentioned there. But um, yeah, you're right. I mean, finding that balance is not only important for you, but what you're going to imprint onto your kids. You know what I mean? And, and I'm learning that in a book that I'm reading right now, uh, and it's called How We Love. And the book is so dope. You know, every person I've ever recommended it to uh, uh, loves it. But it really tells us how we are as adults has everything to do with how we seen love, how we witnessed love or felt love as kids. And as adults, you would never think that those types of things affect us as much as it does today. But it, it really does. So, yeah. You know. We are just grown up. We're just older children walking around. Like Real talk. The, the main one of the main um, one of your main things to conquer in adulthood is to undo some of your childhood stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, and it's not even a negative; it's a positive, though. It's like think about it. Our parents did the best job with the tools that they had, so the tools that we have access to uh, are going to be. We have access to so much more than what they did during the time period in which they uh, brought us up in. And, you know, uh, a lot of times I, I look at it like I grew up in a single parent household. So it's like my mom had to raise five of us on top of a lot of my cousins or friends that would come over and became adopted kids at the house. You know what I mean? But it's just like, imagine what you could um, imagine what uh, she was able to do as one person. But imagine if it was two, if she had help. You know what I mean? So I, I look at things so much differently now, like, you know, uh, wow, it's, uh, it's important to, uh, 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 to be able to have a, a healthy balance so that you can present a healthy picture to your kids because you can't do everything just by yourself. 
and that's let me let me let me let me make sure I say that right. You can, but it makes it a little bit more difficult. And it's just like, but if if, if even in the Bible it says it in Ecclesiastes about the power of two. So it's just like you know what I mean how we want to be able to spend time uh, with our kids. Like I don't got to be the bad guy uh, to my kids all the time right now because you know. I can be the loving person. My mom had to be, had, had to been the bad guy, the good person, the person that was going to take care of your heart, everything all at once. So, you know, you want to have a good enough balance so that that way we imprint on our kids something better than what we had too. And it's just because we got access to more, more tools and more knowledge. That's all I was going with. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let me see. Uh, question for you, Miss Harvard, Harvard grad. Do you think education saved you and opened up doors for you? Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, it it gave me access to opportunities that even people that live next door to me weren't getting. Um, I would say two things. I think my, it was education, but for me specifically, it was my parents' involvement in my education. Like they really shaped, um, you know, I was in everything like, I was going to RPI in the summers, and I was Etsy and um, Girl Scouts, and I mean, I was, you know, they were taking me in museums, and so it wasn't just like my book education, but I just had a lot of enrichment around me, and they were very intentional about making sure that I took advantage of every opportunity that was out there. I was talking to someone yesterday at home. I don't remember, but I was saying, um, and this is, you know, I'm not as connected to Albany, so this is like, a, this is an observation I'm making from afar, so it may not be totally true, though I think it is, um, that like, all, all the stuff that, like, I was in more stuff when I was younger. Like, I don't see those same opportunities. I mean, I was at Camp Opportunity in the summer. I was in, like, stuff after school. There was stuff in my school um, that I could do. I mean, it was, like, I don't really, not until really I got to the high, maybe, maybe in Livingston, but, like, I didn't have, like, a lot of free time. Like, mm. it was, I was at the Arbor Hill Community Center, mm. uh, and though we had a lot of freedom, I mean, we were walking there on our own, going to stop and go, get a, a honey bun every day, but <laughs> we still, like, there were people that expected us to be somewhere and that were looking for us. Mm. Um, so all of that. So yes, the like in-school book education, but also it was just all of the stuff around me that was giving me the opportunity to interact with so many different kids around the city, um, but also just know that I had like adults that cared, you know, and that mm -hmm. were, wanted me to do well. And because I always, because I did well, adults always like wanted me to do well, if that makes sense. Like they, they mm -hmm. everyone always thought that I was going to achieve. So I had adults around me that were um, looking out for me. Um, but, you know, I left, like I said, when I was 17 to go to college. And um, I have been on that track since. And it's open to I was so ignorant when I got to Spelman. <laughs> I, I didn't even know what I didn't know. Like, because in I was always in honors classes, and um, I thought that I was, like, the smartest, you know, or one of the smartest. I got to Spelman. It was like, girl, you're not even, 
You don't know. Mm-hmm. You don't know a tenth of what's going on in the world. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I, a lot, a lot of folks don't know this, and I've never. It ain't no secret. But I just it just never comes up. But I actually got into Spellman provisionally, so mm. I wasn't even, and I didn't even. This is how ignorant I was. I didn't even see that in my acceptance letter. Like I didn't even notice that it said that. Mm. Basically, what it meant was you're smart. However, you don't have any other, you're not bringing any other, anything else. I, by high school, by Omni High, I wasn't in any clubs. I didn't, mm. I, I went to school, had a boyfriend, went to work. Like that was like mm. my, my life through mm. parts of high school. And so I didn't want to do any kind of clubs. I didn't play sports or any of that. I didn't do community service. So when I got into Spelman, they were like, we're going to let you in provisionally, which basically meant if you don't get at least a C this first semester, we're sending you back home. Mm. And, you know, my, I missed it. My mother missed it. Like, we probably didn't even know what provisionally meant. Like, we probably saw mm. it. And so when I got to Spelman, I got assigned to his counselor. He was like my, she was my counselor for that reason. And I bust out crying like a baby. Mm. And said, you're used to being the smartest where you're from, but here everybody's the smartest. Mm. It just like it, it rocks me. Um, so you know, I have been fortunate to be able to leave Albany and, and experience. I mean, I've been to you know traveled and I've done a lot of stuff that I always say like if I would have stayed there, I would have had a totally different, totally different life. And I think you know your access to exposure, like you said, when you went when when you went away to Atlanta. So now I'm in Atlanta. So I'm gonna learn culture in Georgia I mean like you said you got family there too but I'm gonna learn culture in, in Georgia differently because I'm intimately involved in Albany you know what I mean this is my day-to-day activity here I, I know this I, I breathe this I live this so but when you get a chance to get outside of it it does help you to look at things a lot differently and I always said the same thing too it's just like you know in Albany I didn't have to do much uh, in my opinion, I, I always felt like, you know, it just came natural to me, you know, uh, uh, staying average was, was, was good enough for me. But when I went to, to North Carolina, it was just like, damn, my competition wasn't the people in Albany. My competition was on a global scale and I had no clue about it, but it's just like, so being able to prepare people for that and realizing that, you know, don't just base what you're doing around the people that are around you is like, well, you know, I'm doing better than them. Don't base it uh, 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 upon that because it's people uh, uh, around the world that you're really competing with. And especially in the way that technology is so uh, uh, intertwined in everything that we do now, we got access to every place uh, 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 on the globe right now. So it's just like, yo, that's your competition. Your competition is that. But luckily for you and for Spelman, I'll just say this because education was, was so important to you already, even though it may have crushed you after you realized the provisional part, but you were already prepared educationally to learn or to adapt in that environment. So yeah, it would have sucked up front and be like, whoa, what's this? But luckily for them, they didn't realize that I'm gonna get here, I'm gonna learn it, I'm gonna figure it out. I'll be just fine. So, That's what I yeah. Did. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, yo, isn't it something? Like I said, when you realize that you go from being among the smartest to questioning yourself uh, and your own 
um, uh, educational value. I, I didn't think that I, my first week at Johnson C. Smith, honestly, I did not, I did not think that I was going to last. And it was just like, yo, my math class was kicking my ass. And it was just like, damn, I don't know if I'm going to last. But it was something that was in me. It was just like, one, I knew that my mom had to take out uh, a huge loan for me to get there my freshman year. Uh, and it was like, okay, I got to do my best. So I signed up for, extra, uh, for additional resources. I would go to uh, the math lab before class and after class. And, you know what I mean, after my, uh, my first semester, my first year, it was like I ended up with a 3-7. It was like from there, it was on. It was like, oh, I can do this. It was like, you know, so, you know, hey, I may, I may need to go set myself up to get these resources, but I can do this. And now I'm not just competing among people that I've been around my entire life in this one small community, but I'm co competing with people who came to this school internationally as international students or from all over the United States. So I, I, uh, uh, that resonated with me. So I, I, I could relate. I could relate to that. I could relate to that. Let me see. I got a question for you. Um, during your schooling in the Albany community, uh, between uh, kindergarten and 12th grade, do you think that racism uh, uh, played a part during your early education at all? If so, how? If not, no. Yes, but not, 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 um, more like systemic racism. Like not, okay. not, um, me being treated a certain way. Not till I got to Omni High, actually. I did have a, a number of issues with teachers. I would say, I went to Arbor Hill, Love, love, love Arbor Hill. Oh, I just made my heart warm even saying it. Um, so I went to Arbor Hill for elementary school, and then I went to uh, Livingston, Philip Livingston, which isn't there anymore, for understanding. Um, so both, you know, predominantly Black schools, uh, Arbor Hill, Black principal, Miss Linda Jackson Chalmers, my first grade teacher, Albania Hill, who just passed away. That was my first. She made me love school. It's actually why I my master's in education. So I had a, I had a great experience, uh, but just as an adult now that who can, you know, look at things from a different lens, I would say particularly for Livingston, hmm. I, I don't know what was going on at Livingston. Livingston, when I, when I explain it to people, I, I, I talk about the movie Lean On Me. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I I can see how, the, I'm sure there were more structural things going on um, that contributed to um, the quality of education there, the environment there, um, less so than I was, than I felt like on a day-to-day -day basis. But also, I mean, frankly, I was, I was way more ignorant and unaware of stuff too. Mm -hmm. So there's certain things that I wouldn't have caught on to that I would catch on to now. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, being talked to certain ways by teachers. Uh, I do remember, you know, in, in um, Arbor Hill having like young white student teachers who I, I do have the memory of them feeling like they looked at us a certain way, um, okay. a certain way. But then I had a black woman principal and we were watching Roots and Glory and like on a step team and, you know, so I felt so poured into that I don't think that stuff had an effect on me. Uh, when I got to Albany High, I did have um, my first year a teacher 
and this is this is again an effect of more systemic racism because I was honors academically talented all those type of classes I, a lot of times I was one of few black people so even in, even in like mostly black schools my classes I was like one of few black so in, in Albany High my academic experience at Albany High was totally different than my social experience uh, and I was in class with a lot of white folks and and I remember being in a class where the teacher would never call on me I was the only black person I sat up front she would literally, it was almost like she, it was a skit. Like she would be and I'm like, no. Anybody else? Anybody else? It was crazy. It was calculated, which I never was great in math, so I needed a lot of help. And I ended up telling my parents, and we had a parent-teacher conference. And, and although I don't, I don't feel like I really developed a more socially aware part of myself until a little later, but I okay. I did in that moment know like I don't think this is right. Like <laughs> I think this is so black. And I remember she was so like taken aback, like, oh my God, really? But um, you know, chemistry teacher, I can't remember his name. I hated his guts, eleventh grade. He clearly had no respect for students. White guy, you know, he clearly had no respect for us. I mean, literally would be like cursing at us and um so I can remember these little pockets of things, but not that it seeped into like my sense of who I was um, because I think my, my parents had me in so many blacky black things all the time mm -hmm. that um, that stuff didn't really mess with my sense of self. Okay, okay. And uh, the fact that you mentioned the systemic part of it, it makes me think about something that I learned later. It's just like we would take the kids down to New York City for these, um, when I was running a model, um, Every year they had a, a slavery exhibit, and I'm, I'm going to chew up the name. I can't remember which museum it is in New York City, but they always had this slavery exhibit. And I remember the first time we went there, it was just like, holy moly. Because one, it's referencing uh, slavery uh, in New York. And it was just like, I think they said, like, a lot of people always associate slavery with the South. And it was just like, I think... New York might have been number two or number three that had the, uh, the, the highest number of slaves that lived there as well. And when I was going through the exhibit, it was talking about like one of the oldest slaves who lived out in um, Bethlehem. And, you know, that's, that's, that, that's Albany, you know what I mean? And uh, his name was Caesar. And it, it talked about like Philip Livingston or uh, uh, Philip Schuyler. And I started, I started identifying it at that point. I was like, well, wait a minute. All of these schools in these different places are named after slave, slave masters or people who, who, who profited off of that. And at that point, I remember and I had to been like in my early 20s. And I'm just like, wow, it makes a lot of sense to see what's going on over here at Liv Livingston. I'm just like, everyone's still trying to run away from that type of uh, <laughs> systemic oppression in there. And it was, it's crazy, I, and, and I don't mean to, I don't want anyone to see me laughing and thinking that I'm, I'm slighting in any way, but when I seen it there at the exhibit, I'm just like, wait a minute, Philip Livingston? I mean, the school, and I started start looking up in Albany at all of the places that were named after people who were associated with slavery at that time, and it was like, so I started putting that into all of the kids, that model, just like, you know, so that the social awareness, the social unrest that we have now, where everyone's doing like, we gotta take down these statues. You know, this person was for this one. Oh, okay, John Wayne, this is how you thought. Okay, let's rename this airport. 
you know what I mean? And it's, it's crazy that it is uh, such a, uh, it has such a presence in 2020 now, uh, but it has been going on uh, uh, systemically and with an uh, uh, underneath it all kind of tone for a very, very long time. That's something that's different than Livingston Ave, where I grew up. Like, you mm -hmm. know, understand that we're honoring people that didn't, mm -hmm were a whole person so that stuff um definitely contributes to how you think about yourself whether you you could be the most like black power like understand everything but like that stuff seeps into you mm. now i think uh, omar might have mentioned it in an earlier interview uh and was just talking about you know his the first time he got introduced to uh in history classes uh, uh at school to people that look like him it was slavery and it was just like so so making the correlation between that was just like instead of like you know actually no we didn't start there in slavery we were kings and queens so you know but it was just like uh having to go through that whole process of unlearning uh, uh that truth that has been uh, told to us is a process just by itself but i'm i'm glad in and a little bit frightened, if, I, if that's the best word to use at the same time. I'm glad that we have the social unrest that we have right now. Uh, I want to say I'm a little bit more frightened because with everything that's going on, you got a lot of people that's feeling like they feeling real froggy. So I want to tell you how I feel. I want to jump out the window and act on that. And, you know, I'm still working on myself. So, you know, uh, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> you don't go high? Um... Most times I do. Most times I do, but I have been caught out there and I am definitely guilty of uh, being caught in the moment. I remember uh, 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 one of my boys, Kashif, uh, uh, me and him was riding. We were riding around Albany. And this, now mind you, this, I'm an adult at this point. But uh, so we're riding around Albany and um, we're driving past the car and the people in the other car just kept staring. And something in me was just like, you know, I rolled down my window, like, you know what I mean? What the fuck are y'all, excuse me, what are y'all staring at? And it was just like, she just like, bro, you can't be doing that. And I'm just like, so, you know, I still have that part of me. Uh, I'm a lot better uh, than, than what I used to be. But as I said, that's the frightening part. You know what I mean? I would hate for someone to say something uh, uh, that's racist or that makes me feel that I got to jump outside of this new self that I'm trying to uh, create and develop because, uh, yeah, I don't want to go there. Yeah, I remember Tyrell. I know, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was like, yo, man, what's wrong with you? Keep going, keep going. Uh, let me see. Can you think of any attitudes, behaviors, or experiences that were normalized in Albany, uh, but you now recognize that these beliefs or sayings were only limited to Albany? Son, listen. <laughs> that, that could be a whole interview. Um, I love my hometown because that's where I'm from, and that's where my my, my family is. Uh, some of my family and a lot of people I love, but Lord have mercy, like mm. boy, boy, boy. Right. Like, I, mean, yeah. I don't even know where to start. Like, the stuff that I thought was normal, like, the stuff that I thought was just, like, 
isn't everyone experiencing this? Like, I'll, so when I got to Spelman, I actually had a, I actually had a hard time at Spelman, though it was a black college, because of that, because of the stuff that had been normalized for me in Albany. Mm. I get down here with girls that are, are not, are living like more middle-class lives or mm. are just exposed to different, even all that I just said I was exposed to, that was like nothing. Like they were like doing that times 10. And so I, I remember I, um, there's Spelman women I meet now, you know, you'll see me on the internet and things. I seem like a very friendly person and I am, but there's Spelman women I meet now. <laughs> were like, yo, I would not talk to you as someone. They were like, I would scare you. Or, and I'm like, me? You know, and I was like 100 pounds and like 5'2". But um, I had this I had this attitude that was more of like a protection because people, I would be telling them all these stories and they'd be like, what? You did, you, you experienced that? Someone said that? You did that? And it made me, I started to feel so ashamed like so mm -hmm. about where I was from to where I just stopped after my freshman year I only made a, a handful of friends like I knew a lot but I didn't make a lot of friends because I I, I really felt so bad about um where I was coming from like I didn't realize I mean I'm trying to think of what I, I'll give an example like on a lighter side or this a less like traumatic side you know, I remember I would walk to, to Albany High every morning. So I lived on Pennsylvania Ave off Lewiston Ave. And I would walk to Albany High sometimes. Just because, you know, you get older, you don't want to take the bus. Or I, don't, I would be picking up girls along the way. So, and there was um, a friend of mine who, someone in her family, we would stop by her house sometimes in the morning. She lived closer to the high. And we stopped by one morning and... She was, this is like 7.30 in the morning, eight. she was drinking a, a bottle of Hennessy. And we were like, what are you doing? And she was like, oh, I'm pregnant. Well, listen, we were like, what are you doing? And she was like, oh, I'm pregnant. I'm trying to get rid of this. Right. Back then, though, to me, that wasn't even, like, you react like that. I mean, I probably was kind of like, dang, girl. But, like, that wasn't, to me, like, so outlandish. Like, that was just like, okay, like, that's what she's doing. So that's just a mild, I mean, that's like on the mild side of like the stories that I took to college with me where people were like, what? Like, mm -hmm. that's your life? Where are your parents at? Like, what, like, what's going on? And so I started to feel, I mean, super ashamed. Like, ashamed is like an understatement. Like, I felt, okay. I felt really bad about myself. And I, and I felt really like, um, like, dang. Is this not, like, what have I been experiencing? Not like I thought that that was okay, but I didn't mm -hmm. realize that not, I thought all Black people were experiencing that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I, you know, there are a number of things that I have to, and I think continue to, like, unlearn and be like, mm -hmm. no, that's not an expectation. Like, that's actually trauma. That's actually, like, mm -hmm. uh, there's actually something wrong <laughs> like there's actually something mm -hmm. wrong. and um but that took you know the the level of the kind of I went in for a lot of years like I, I drew inward because I felt mm -hmm. like I'm trustful because now I'm in this in-between spot I'm 
I come from that, but I'm not really of that anymore. Mm-hmm. So though I feel like I've always continued to get love and all of me and I can still sit on the stoop with my cousins and all of that, but you know, I'm not, I, I lived there in a long time. Like it's mm-hmm. pretty I'm not living that life anymore. Um, but then I'm not totally, like, I went to Spelman and Harvard, but I'm not totally of that space either. Like, that's not where I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, comfortable in between, like, a look of Bougetto, you know, like. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so, yeah, so that, I, I struggled with that stuff, and, you know, when I, when I, when I'm letting someone know how I'm about to handle something, I'll be like, Albany Sheena's about to show up, so. I need y'all to practice before that happens. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that, yeah, there were just things that, again, made me, made us who we are that I wouldn't say I would trade it, but it definitely, they were not okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 I, and I, once again, you won't know that there's anything wrong with it until you get exposed with, to something that is a little bit different. You know what I mean? You'd be like, oh, oh, y'all didn't do that? Oh, okay. But yeah, but it's, it's the truth. It was just like, I, I know for me, when I first went to Charlotte, I thought Price Chopper was the grocery store everywhere, <laughs> right? So I remember going down there and it was just like, okay, uh, first thing I, I wanted to go do, uh, 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 my brother and my man Butter, uh, I, I dropped me off down there. I'm just like, I want to go to the grocery store. I want to start picking up some stuff or whatever. And I'm, I'm asking like one of the other students there. I'm like, yo, so so where's Price Shopper at? They like, huh? And I was like, Price Shopper. It was like, what do you mean? It's like the grocery store. It was like, oh, Food Line. I said, Food Line. <laughs> it was like and that was the first time I heard Food Line, and I think it has affected me for years because I'm just like, Food Line. What's that? You know what I mean? But it was like, that's the grocery store. But, you know what I mean? When you don't get a chance to get out to travel, to know that there's these same types of things in other places and it's named different, you know what I mean? But it was just like, that's part of the exposure piece. Part of the exposure piece. Realizing not everyone in the world knows what Boyd is, you know what I mean? But to, 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 uh, to, to counter what you said, though, I don't think that I went inward when, when, uh, when I had to identify my experiences with Albany. I think that I went extra to, uh, uh, to help put Albany on the map because so many people had their own opinions. Oh, you from upstate? You up there with all those cows and next to Buffalo? I'm like, nah, bro, you, 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 you got it all wrong. Uh, uh, we ain't, Buffalo's five hours away. Uh, and it, it ain't nothing like that, and this is how it is. And actually, you couldn't even survive in Albany. So, you know what I mean? I went extra hard to the fact that one of my boys, he lives in Toronto now, but uh, uh, he's from South Carolina, and he would always get on me. He'd be like, yo, well, how come you say Albany so hard? He'd be like, yeah, I'm Tyrell, I'm from Albany. I'm from Albany. And it was just like, so it was like the running joke among, uh, among a bunch of my friends. Like, yo, but yeah, because I didn't want people to have a certain impression of where I came from. And I knew that I was a representation of that. So just like, nah, you know, this is what you can get. As you said, the Albany Sheena, you can get the Albany Tyrell. And it was just like, but, uh, or you can just respect the fact that this is where I'm from. That's where I love. And I can respect where you're from and where you love. And we can have a, a mutual uh, understanding of that. <laughs> if not, then we can clash. So, you know what I mean? I got into a lot of fights and arguments my freshman year, primarily because, huh? Me too, caping for Albany. 
Yeah, like, yeah. Even, you know, if I'm in Albany, I'm like talking crap about it like everybody else. But like, you're not going to disrespect where I'm from. Mm -hmm. Like, I I got a mini, the same thing. Oh, you're from the country. Uh, oh, can you say mall? Can you say call? Like, they want me to talk mm -hmm. in my accent. But yeah, I, I still to this day, people still, if I tell people I'm from Albany, they're like, oh, is that in New York? Like, trying to be, you know, not mm -hmm. like, <laughs> it's the capital. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's a it's a it's a I, I feel like a lot of folks have a especially those of us who have left like a a, a love I don't even I don't even want to say hate but like a complicated relationship with all Correct. Okay. Okay. I'll take that. Okay. I'll take that. Right. Next question for you. Uh it's gonna tie in the uh, systemic racism that we talked about a little bit with education but also talk about the social unrest. Uh, so the Black Lives Matter movement isn't just about police brutality, but it's also about uh, dismantling systematic racism. Uh, if you were in charge of mobilizing or organizing the Black community in Albany, what would be two to three things that you would like us to tackle? Um, I think similarly to what I'm doing here, because I think this is just a, these are the things that Black people need to tackle um, period is um, one is around just having more ownership, you know, whether that's home ownership, whether it's businesses. I, one of the one of the reasons, probably the main reason, um, that we are still economically in the situation that we're in, and honestly, even have gotten worse um, since prior generations, is our lack of ownership, and we're not like. Mm. We're not transferring wealth. And so um, one of the, you know, though I um, am proud of the academic and know that it had a important, played an important role in my life. I think that the piece of game that we haven't really, um, we weren't put onto initially and I think we need to talk about more. It's, it's not about me, Sheena, having a high income Cause that's gonna die with me you know like that's not that's great for my life and and you know i'm gonna enjoy a, a nice income but it's really more so about like what kind of wealth can i create um among my family among my friends among my community that can be that doesn't die with me that actually transfers. and so i think a lot of that is obviously home ownership is the main way that um particularly white people have done it for generations. You know, if you, mm -hmm. could, you could have a low income, but if you live in a house that your family owns, like, and you don't have to worry about that, like that, I mean, there's stats that show that like white men that graduate from high school do better than black men who graduate from college. Mm -hmm. They have some family like stability. Um, mm -hmm. and you don't have to worry about that. You're just already in a better place. So mm -hmm. that's, would be the main thing for me it's just where my focus is right now in life um i just think that you know i was playing um nipsey hustle when tyrell and i first got on um you know all ownership it's like for me it's like literally from creation to distribution like owning everything um so that we we own our own content houses businesses etc uh, I think the other, another one would probably be um, 
How would I say it? Like, I guess, a, I guess it's somewhat related to this, but so I went to school for education. I talked about how important I think education is, which I do. But I think that education, the way we teach it, is too disconnected from like jobs and mm. actually like having a livable wage. And so I would do more to uh, make sure that what we're teaching young people is connected to like the real world. Mm-hmm. You know, I at one point was talking here in Boston about starting like civic education classes. Like who who knows really how like the government works and like who you're, and I'm not even talking about president. I mean like in your own, mm-hmm. like who you, sh- why you're voting for this and how you get this done. But also um, just how to like, balance a bank account and how to mm-hmm. live just a, as a, a regular citizen. And so I think create, doing more connecting of what young people are being taught to, to how we want them to live, I, I think for them it would make them more interested in it. You know, mm-hmm. if I, that, that teacher that I just mentioned that I told my parents on, that was a calculus class. Have I ever used calculus again? Like maybe, maybe in some complicated something I had to do at work, but I doubt it, you know? And so I only was committed to that because I was a good student and my parents told me I had to be a good student, but not because I really thought what I was learning was really And so I think if you're not, if you don't love school, like why would you, why, why should I go? Like, what am I learning? How is it gonna help me? I see people that graduate and still are struggling. So like, what is the, so I think, um really focusing more on connecting learning to actual uh, how how we want to live in the world and supplementing that learning with learning about um, black history and black mm-hmm. black future because I think that um, you know it's, it's underrated and people have tried to do it over generations I told you my parents had me in a lot of you know black run stuff I went to Ghana last year so it was my first mm-hmm. time going to, to the continent of Africa and I don't even really know where my ancestry is from, like, meaning, like, I don't know that I'm from Ghana, but just mm-hmm. being connected to history, like, my general history, it made me feel 10 times more empowered to do the stuff that I'm doing. Like, I literally felt like no one can fuck with me. Like, <laughs> look at where my people are from. Like, look at what we, look at how we, we've literally invented most of the things that this world I mean, that one continent has every natural resource that this world needs. And, and so when you have that sense of self, you mentioned, um, someone mentioning that the first thing they were taught was about slavery. When that's, when that's your, when you're taught that, then that's who you think you are. Like, it's just ingrained in you. Like, what am I trying to get back to if my people have only been enslaved? Like, and I'm taught that they were like helpless and under the just control of you know these people and so i think i try, i tried to combine two things in one but i think that no, no, good i think of kind of creating like more real real world learning experiences um that also that focus particularly on like black people having a better sense of self and understanding how much we've actually contributed to this country in this world i think that you know when i I've watched videos during this time of the unrest taking place in Albany, you know, and like 
cars being burned and mm -hmm. stuff that's going on. And I mean, this is a bigger global issue that's going on. But I also believe that the more you you know that you're here for a reason, you're gonna make different decisions about the stuff. Like, and if no one's pouring that into you and no one's telling you or helping you feel like you're here for something, then I don't. I'm gonna be reckless. Like, mm -hmm. why? Um, so I think that that's kind of like education, but connecting it to real world. Um, so yeah, ownership and education. The, the other one that I've just thought about as more if I've gotten older is, I don't want to say like the, people sometimes say it around like resurrecting the family structure as far as like, you know, mother, father, kids. I don't necessarily mean that, but I think, uh, but definitely family as far as like us being better just connected with each other. Mm -hmm. and, and, how our humanity is connected to each other. And like, mm -hmm. I, can't, you, I can't do well if you're not doing well. And really, um, and just having a better sense of community and mm -hmm. instilling in folks that um, our humanity is all connected. Like, mm -hmm. it, it's not gonna take away from me for you to do well. That's yeah. it right there though, Sheena, that's it. It's the, the thought that, you know, I can't do, um, like, we, we can't all do well together. So it's, it's like, until I realize that it's enough space for us equally to shine, to thrive, to go out and accomplish things, you know, everybody else is always a threat. So, you know, that's part of the unlearning process that you got to go through is because, you know, well, well, that person got that. I don't want to talk to them because they got that and I, and I ain't get there yet. Instead of saying, you know, well, actually, they have that. Let me ask that person what they did, what they went through to obtain that so that that way I can shorten up my path. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, you know what I mean, the, uh, uh, how, how much individuals, and I, I know it was the same way within my household too. It's like we were taught to be independent. We were taught to, uh, uh, to thrive, to strive. And it's kind of like, you know, by doing it by, doing it by yourself, you end up making your process a lot longer as opposed to having those boundaries. Like you said, uh, uh, there are white men who only graduated from high school that do well than black men who went to college because they had that foundation. They had that support. They had that place to, uh, to lean in on. So it was like, how do we create that again for us? Whereas it's just like, even within the family, you know, it's just like, you know, how do we create success for other people? without but you got to get to a place one in yourself this is just my opinion you got to take accountability for your own shortcomings uh your own failures as well as your successes a lot of times we only want to take accountability for our success i got to take accountability for the things that i've done wrong too and part of me taking that accountability will put me in a humbling position to be able to listen to somebody else to to, to help navigate my way to a better uh to a better tomorrow and, you know, but I, I think those are two, actually, those are three great points. You know I mean? Home ownership, uh, 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 education, um, but we need it in uh, the, what do you call it? Uh, culturally relevant learning. So I had a, I was on a, a Zoom call with, I want to say the, 
the commissioner for public uh, public parks and recreation. And I know a lot of people in the Albany community have their own opinions about this person. But one of the, huh? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people got their own opinion about him. But on the on the conference call, the one thing that I did like was that, like, when you and I worked or for uh, our population, uh, our generation, excuse me, when we did summer jobs at school works, primarily all of those jobs were outside, you were outside, you were cleaning up stuff, or you know, what I mean, if you had the good jobs, if you had the real good jobs, you know, you would be down there at a uh, crank park or exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you had the real good jobs, but the way that they're doing it now is, um, uh, so now instead of just having the, uh, the, the summer, the summer kids working in all of these parks, they're strategically placing them with businesses. COVID has impacted that of course, but the goal was to uh, strategically place them into businesses that they could see them uh they could see themselves working or they want because you get that firsthand experience that firsthand knowledge be like oh i thought i wanted to do this but actually this is by the time i was 14 15 my 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 siblings were like home so i worked at my sister's job <laughs> nice, nice. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. hey listen i was definitely at uh all out uh uh, all outdoor places up until might have been junior year junior year uh i got um my junior year i, I got i started working with computers so um my my teacher at albany high mr wallace uh had told me about this summer program uh, uh through new york wire for education uh with a guy named brian lee who's a, a close family member of mine's now you know what I mean? So I've been working with him since my junior year in high school, all the way up to, to now. And, uh, but uh, he, uh, that was my first, that was the first job that I could say that I felt good about the job that I had. And I'm, and I'm, I'm working on computers. And uh, well, we can go throughout New York State, setting up uh, uh, schools throughout New York State uh, with updated computer equipment learning how to digitize videos and put it on the internet, learning how to do web development. I was doing this at, as a junior in, in, in Albany High. And it was just like, it was because I finally had a job that I felt uh, really good about. And it was just like, you know, it's like, oh, you know, and, and it's, it's not to discredit anything else, but for whatever reason, you know what I mean? It was like a lot of times the jobs were maintenance or fast food or something like that. But it was like that one, it, it, it did something in me. It was like, you know, I do belong in this other field. Yeah. Say that again. You just proved my point. Oh, exactly, exactly. Like I said, man, you, you, uh, you, you are on, uh, on spot, uh, hitting everything on target. So uh, I'm glad we speak in the same lingo. I gotta. I'm listening to you. I gotta send a text. I gotta Okay. Okay. Not. Yep. Not a problem. I'm actually going to hit you with um, uh, your next question, um, and it's going to be, sadly, Albany has seen more and more violence, and our communities have experienced a lot of loss over the past few years, especially now, uh, looking at the numbers of shootings, um, deaths, um, or just gunfire. But uh, what changes would you like to see 
uh, for the city of uh, Albany. Uh, what is your hope for the city, Sheena? So, um, this, like, among other things, part of watching what's going on in, in Albany, it really, it's really painful, you know, to, you know, I'm saying this as someone who's safe and okay and just watching mm -hmm. But, um, I even, you know, I saw last week, one of my friends growing up, her son got killed. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um... You know, it's, it's moments like that where, for me, I'm definitely like, yo, what can I do? Like, how can I, how can I have some impact? Because it's great. Again, I just talked about, like, it's great for me to have a, a great personal income or whatever, a success. But, you know, if the place where I'm from is still not doing well, um, and this is a I'm not going to go into this, but a quick aside, kind of why I got out of education, um, at least for the time being, is because I actually don't like the model that we have in this country and probably other places where you pluck out the smart, who you think is the like talented one, and you're like, oh, let me give you all these experiences outside of your community, but you don't actually, I'm still going home to the same place, but like, I'm still going back to like you don't actually focus on the community. You just pick out who you think is kind of worth saving, honestly. Uh, so I, I struggle with that. So, you know, I think that um, it's, it has broken my heart to see, particularly lately, I see that there's like way, a lot more violence in Albany. And um, I was talking with my mother about it and had to remind her, and I feel like people need this reminder sometimes. I said it a little earlier, like, when you don't have access to opportunities, like when you don't have um, clear career pathways, when you don't have um, safe, you know, neighborhoods to just kind of be yourself in. You know, I, I was all over Albany when I was younger. Like, good Lord, I was like walking, like I walked everywhere. Like I, I, I very rarely felt unsafe. I'm not saying that it was not unsafe sometimes, but I very rarely felt like I couldn't be out and about. Um, when you're not just able to grow and be nurtured and have people that care about you and, and have adults themselves who are actually doing okay so that they can take care of you, like, this is, this is what happens. This, this is a side, Tyrell, from like the, again, systemic, governmental, because even in those three things that I just gave you, I was just talking about things we could do for ourselves. What I really think is going to change, um, have an impact is if we actually get um, governments that work for us, you know, and that actually see our humanity and actually, um, I, there's a misconception that white people have built wealth through business ownership. White people have actually built wealth in this country through government handouts. There was a time after... I think after Reconstruction, the government literally gave them acres of land, like, and so they, that's why they have such a, you know, a head start, and, you know, even though the, the face of government assistance is Black people, because that's the narrative that's been framed, like, white people are benefiting from that, and so I think the broader kind of what I would want to see happen is actual real support for 
um, black, particularly black communities, but communities in all communities that need to be able to have lower mortgages so people can buy houses or like no down payment, um, that need to have, um, like I said earlier, programs that actually connect them to, to jobs. I still have, you know, um, nieces and nephews in Albany. And at one time I reached out to you, I was trying to find resources for my nephew who was just like going down the wrong path. Um, who now, you know, the only way, at least for him, that he's able to, to not continue that stuff is he's leaving Albany. Like, cause it, there's, from what I can see, there's not a lot of like safety net stuff of like, hey, let's give you a reason to want to do something different. And so, um, you know, I think that, you know, I hear little bits and pieces of what's going on and why. Oh, where's yep. I hear you. Oh. Sorry. I hear little bits and pieces of what's going on and why. Um, but I think that, you know, some of it was going on when we were growing up. You know, it's like some of the same um, defense. Um, but I, I just don't know, like, how can you not have that going on if people don't have resources? Like, how can you not have that going on? Like, if I don't have a reason to get up every day, like, I'm a, I'm a fuck shit up. Like, it's just, I, I don't see a way around it. And so, though I don't, I never, um, you know, people aren't blameless. Like, obviously, someone that in, in, inflicts violence on someone, it, it needs to be consequences for it. But I can also understand the bigger reasons why that is happening. And understand that, like, it didn't start with, first of all, like, ain't none of them manufacturing no guns. So mm -hmm. Ain't none of them, like, going to Columbia to get drugs. So those are coming from somewhere. Like, I understand that there's, there's, there are forces in place that, that actually want things to be like this and make it really easy for our young people and even like our adults to continue to get access to destructive, um, to things to, to create destruction. And so um, in the short term, you know, I think that I would love to see, I keep referencing my childhood, which I'm, I'm, I see it through the lens of a child, so I don't even know how accurate it is, but it just felt like there was so much available. Like it felt like whatever interest that you had, there was something that you could find that could meet your interest. Um, there was like a range of different things. And it's not to say there weren't still kids getting in trouble and doing stuff, but if people were in like things that could speak to like, this is what I'm interested in doing, in a way that like I don't feel like exists anymore, and I don't know, I don't know what the missing layer is. Like, is it a generation of um, parents? You know, is it a is there has has there been changes in um, the city government and like who? Because I remember even as a kid, more black leadership. Mm. Like every and, and it, you know, my father was very civically active, so maybe. Mm -hmm. he, me to, but like to me, the leaders in Albany were black. Now I know that that's not totally true, but that's who mm -hmm. I saw. Like I saw black leadership, and um, they felt accessible to me. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's. It's it's interesting that that's what you saw, and to be honest, I think a lot of it um, 
has to do with the fact that a lot of the black leadership wasn't always or necessarily tied to uh, particular positions. It right. were it was people. It was common people like you and I. I, I know your dad was uh, a, a part of 100 Black Men. Uh, I think he was part of Phi Beta Sigma too. Uh, but he was a part of all these other things. But as a person, you know, what I mean, you know, we had leadership. And there's always been people in every one of our communities that have played a part um, to uh, like, like to be that uh, that positive vibe, that positive person. Or it's like, you know what? Oh, the ice cream, uh, uh, Mr. Dingling truck coming. You know, I'm gonna buy ice cream for everybody or whatever it is. Or you know, what I mean. So we've always had individual people. So regardless of uh, what's going on government-wise or city-wide, you know, what I mean, it's like as a community we have taken care of each other or we used to take care of each other a lot more than, uh, than, than what's presently. But the other part is that when, when we were younger, there were tons of community centers you can go to. And I think almost every person that has been on here uh, that I've interviewed thus far has asked, asked, well, what happened to the community centers? It was just like, you can go downtown. You're going to be in the Boys and Girls Club at the Rec on 3rd Ave. You can go uh, 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 to the bathhouse down on Fourth Ave. You can go view uh up uh what's that uh not Crank Park, yeah Crank uh, Crank Park. But you can go to Hoffman Park. You had the Boys and Girls Club Crosstown. You had St. Joseph's Uptown, Arbor Hill Community Center. You had all of these places. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Is it is it funding? My heart when they closed the Arbor Hill Center, I was like, yeah. That literally, obviously, your little life is like centered on what's your world. Because to me, Arbonne was all me. But you know, mm -hmm. I, but when they closed the center or the Arbonne Center, I was like, "What's happening in Albany? Like, <laughs> what? Where are kids supposed to go?" And I don't even know if if, if it was still being used. Because again, we are also a different generation where we didn't have like phones and. Mm -hmm. I had to go to the center because I wanted to play foosball. Because, like, what else? I couldn't get recreation. <laughs> you know, it's different now. You don't need to necessarily go places for recreation. And I think it's just, there's just something, you know, happening with young people. But um, that was, like, an expectation. Even if it took me two hours to walk there because I was stopping everywhere watching. I was at the ballpark. I was everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like, I knew that by the time, by pickup time, I needed to be at the center. <laughs> mm -hmm. Listen, and if, if you weren't, listen, my mom would call the Boys and Girls Club and, and check to make sure that we were there, right? And uh, at the time, Brandon Graham was the executive director of the Boys and Girls Club, right? And they would call. So if we showed up to the Boys and Girls Club late, because sometimes we did, we wanted to go try certain things. We'll stay at the school later on, playing with somebody in the playground, trying to get your feels on. And you get there, they'd be like, uh, Tyrell, uh, 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 your mother called, you know, your world is crushed. It's just like, you know, that walk home is about to be horrible because I know what's waiting for me <laughs> over there. So like you said, you had people that were looking for you. You had people that were expecting you to be where you were going to be. You had people checking in. And, you know, we have so, uh, there's no one way to pinpoint it on anything, but there's so many gaps that we have that need to be bridged uh, because we're losing so many people uh, uh, within those gaps. And uh, we keep 
piggybacking off of the same people asking more and more of them and you get burnt out period you can get burnt out i got burnt out so you can get burnt out trying to overextend yourself and then you got to learn how to go ahead and rebuild uh, replenish yourself and it's one of the things i even talked about to my pastor uh, uh there in albany you know what i mean uh, you know what i mean i got a pastor down here too but my pastor in albany you know uh, he'll be on soon but I always tell him about he has to get replenished too, you know what I mean? Because when you're trying to outwardly give so much, you also need people to give back into you. And because if not, you can get drained. So, yeah. uh, my, I gotta, I'm about to turn this into a live action interview while we could pause it because I gotta get my camp, my um, laptop charger. You could, you can travel with me. I could, I, 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 I could, uh, actually. Um, go ahead, go uh, go grab it because I had to plug mine in too. I forgot to plug it in. You gonna pause it? I don't think it's gonna let me pause it. It does. It might. Yes, it does. Okay. My next question for you is, uh, Miss Sheena, how did growing up in Albany prepare you for adulthood? Hmm. Well. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that I do, I do appreciate how well-rounded I am. Like, I literally could rock with anyone. I could have a conversation with anyone. Um, when I got to Boston, I, not even, not just when I got to Boston, when I started working in Boston, I worked in Boston Public Schools, uh, in Roxbury, which is a neighborhood, like an Arbor Hill. And... I was 23 and I was doing stuff with working with parents, um, which <laughs> was crazy because I was 23 with no kids. But I was able to build a relationship with a lot of parents who I actually still have relationships with. I've gone to like my kids' college graduations and things because because of my the way that I've grown up and things I experienced and um, I think that. I'm able to, I have a lot of compassion for people. I'm able to, um, I, I literally feel like I've seen everything. <laughs> like there's not too much that surprises me. And so I'm able to, um, I don't know, I think see people, like literally see them, like see them for who they are and, and figure out how I can best support who they're trying to be. And okay. a lot of um, living in Albany, um, you know, you know, on one side, seeing so many people struggling and um, just trying to just make it, honestly, all the way to the other end of the spectrum. Like I said, I did have really good educational and enriching experiences. I come from a family of um, many, mostly college graduates, a lot of HBCUs, and so I just had this this really like diverse experience that I think gives me this unique perspective into all that people can be you know and a lot of a lot of the differences on these two sides is just opportunity like not a difference in intelligence you know it's not it's not even always a difference in what people want it's just what what did they have the opportunity to go after and 
um, that that's something that has always stuck with me from being at home because though I do think I have intelligence, I also recognize that the difference between some of the difference between me and people I grew up with was just what I was, what my parents exposed me to. I I I love love love. I've I've had a very complicated, like I said, relationship with all these. Um, I had things, you know, I experienced things there that were traumatic. So I was, I couldn't wait to leave at first. Like when I was about to go to college, like that whole summer, I was telling everybody that I went to Atlanta. Um, it wasn't until I actually got in the car to go that I was like, I literally told my mother, like, you know what, I'm, I changed my mind. I cried the whole way, the whole drive, and I cried my first month in school. Um, but, you know, because I cherish, I cherish the relationships that I've built there. I still am close with some of my homegirls uh, from home and um, have been able to really, like you said earlier, like I put on for all of you all the time. Like I make sure, because when people are talking about me, you know, they attribute a lot of stuff to Selwyn and Harper. And I'm like, no, I'm from Albany. Mm -hmm. so this is this is what comes out of Albany. And That's right. I'm giving people just a different, you know, perspective. Um, so I've, I, I don't even, my parents, none of my parents are from Albany. So they, they both just ended up there. They're, from, they're actually from the South. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm, I'm grateful that good and bad, I was able to see the things that I saw because it it is what fuels me to put on for black people. Like it's it it later in life it it became like okay this is my mission in life is to create more opportunities so that um yeah people just have more choices. because uh, I stuff back in the day that I thought was just ratchetness <laughs> Um, I realize is much more about like lack of exposure. Correct. Correct. Now, I mean, even even uh, I know we had this conversation. Just understanding the importance of culture, mm -hmm. and it was just like you know, growing up in Albany, I thought that everything was black and white. <laughs> you're either black or you're white. You know what I mean? And you know the ignorance behind that, uh, um, and it was just. Lack of exposure, you know what I mean? Lack of really understanding and being able to uh, uh, dialogue or be able to communicate with somebody and be like, oh, you know, oh, are you Haitian? Oh, you're not Jamaican. Oh, okay. Oh, you know what I mean? Oh, you're Dominican? Oh, you're not Puerto Rican. Oh, oh, okay. You know what I mean? So, so you know what I mean? Being able to uh, uh, understand diversity in truest sense, you know what I mean? It takes you to, you got to, you have to see it um, to really understand the importance of it and not just group everybody together because sometimes it's us that's guilty of it ourselves as well as the world grouping us uh, all together. But, you know what I mean, stepping outside of that. And people were speaking different languages. Like when I got mm -hmm. here, that's the first time I really was around people that spoke a lot of different languages. Like in Boston, Boston is not known for this, but Boston is so diverse. Like it actually does itself a disservice by not celebrating this diversity more. And, you know, I would ride the train to school or work or ride the bus and like you could hear like 
Portuguese over here and Cape Verdean Creole over here. I would be so annoyed. I was like a freaking, I did my ignorance was like on a, at an all time high. Like, I would be like, what are they saying? Why are they talking? You know, like, I was like one of those people. Because I never, I never heard people speak other languages. Like, that's crazy. I was like 20. Like, I never really, like you said, in Albany, you know, black and white, some Puerto Rican. I knew like maybe like three Vietnamese families. Um, I'm sure actually looking back that I knew people of other um, backgrounds, but I just didn't know that, that they were. <laughs> Correct. Mm-hmm. And then in Atlanta, you know, I went to a historically black college. Um, Atlanta is like your black or Mexican. Um, mm-hmm. But I worked at a soul food restaurant and the whole kitchen was Mexican. Um, so it wasn't really until I got to Boston that I really, like, it's, I'm embarrassed. It was embarrassing, like, mm-hmm. how irritated I would be. Like, I was like on some Make America Great shit. Like, I was just like, <laughs> Why are they so loud? But it was just because I didn't understand, you know, what they were saying. And it took, you know, it didn't, it took a while of being here for, for me to, um, so now it's not a thing, you know, like I've heard, yeah. but that, it was crazy. Like, I was like, yo, you're so ignorant. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but I, 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 I appreciate you take, uh, 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 taking it there though, because that's the only path through understanding uh, to, I mean, it's the only path to understanding you got to go through that you got to realize my own biases my own prejudices my own ignorance you know what i mean to to realize that there's still room to improve there's room to to learn more there's there's there, 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 there's room to explore and you know a, a, a lot of times as black people we always feel like it's on us it's like a lot of times you'll be the only black person in the room so i gotta um I, I gotta make everybody else feel comfortable. And that's a un that's a uncomfortable feeling by itself. Like why does it always have to be me? And I remember um uh one of the VPs uh uh of, of Price Shopper who was a very big supporter of, of us uh um for model, uh, he had told me that. He was just like, you know, he used the word he was like as a black man, I have to learn how to disarm other people. I gotta learn how to disarm their uh, their thoughts their perceptions, their stereotypes, you know what I mean? And just like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a huge amount of pressure. And, and it should. The burden that black people carry. Yeah. 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 Let me see. Uh, think of some of the hardest learned lessons, and I know that we've gone over a bunch of them already with you, but think of some of the hardest learned lessons that you have experienced and the wisdom you gained after going through them. What would you tell the generation uh, behind you to encourage them through difficult times? Mm. Uh, I think something that my mother has always said, it used to, it used to kind of annoy me because I felt like she was um, like downplaying what I was going through, but uh, that this too shall pass. And it definitely is something that I say to myself now, essentially meaning any situation is going to pass. Like, even when you're in the worst of the worst, um, it's not, you're, 
it, that's not going to last. And I'm not, and I'm not saying like it's going to get better, but I'm saying like no situation is going to stay the same all the time. And I think that when I'm now facing things that feel really shitty or um, just are not positive, the thing that most gets me through is like, I know that this is not forever though. So what do I need to do to sustain right now? Um, what are the actual choices that I have in this situation? Because a, a, something I think we all do is sometimes we relinquish our control or we feel like we don't have control, but we have much more control. And it really comes down to what are the choices that are being made? So there's been times where I feel like I don't have a choice in a situation uh, when I actually do. Like I actually have a choice. And for me to sometimes see what that choice is, I have to like pause and be still and really not just act off of my emotions or my hurt feelings or, you know, my, if I feel like I'm being taken advantage of or whatever and really map out, like, what is my actual choice? Like, do I even have to be in this situation? Like, am I making a choice something that I don't even need to be going through? So I think that um, it, it's hard to, particularly when you're younger, hold that sometimes because everything feels like dire and everything feels, mm -hmm. but I've now been through so much stuff that I know it's going to pass. And it keeps me from getting like too, too low. Okay. Because I know that even with coronavirus and, and the quarantine and all of this, I don't know when it's going to pass. <laughs> but just given the, the laws of the world, I know it's not going to be forever. And so mm -hmm. I try to be present in the present moment. Like, what can I do right now? Because I have no control over when this thing ends. So I can't stress myself out about that because that causes anxiety is basically you worrying about a future that you have no control over. And so I try to really stay present and be like, okay, this is clearly the craziest time I've ever lived through and many of us, but I can only control a couple of things. I can wear a mask. I can control who I interact with, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Outside of that, I don't have no control. I'm going to take in information. I'm going to look at the news so I know what's going on, but I'm not going to like consume like myself with it um, because I don't have control over it. And this time is going to pass. In, in, the, in the meantime, there might be bad things that are happening. People are passing away. People, a lot of people have lost their jobs um, and all the bad things that are happening in this time. But I do think that holding on to somewhere in yourself that bad times do pass um, is really, you have to, to, to just keep sustaining. The, one of the best things I ever did for myself, two things. One, probably like four years ago, I decided that I was going to practice gratitude daily. Mm. At some point during the day, I thank God for something. And... Well, every day I, I do like a thank you for waking up. But then I also find other things. I mean, and it could be the smallest things. And I'm not even exaggerating. In Boston, like parking is horrendous. Like mm. I, I, I 
almost opened up a separate bank account just to pay parking. <laughs> if I find a good space, like with a meter, I I really am like, thank you, God. Because not, not just thank you that I found a space, but thank you that now I'm going to go into this meeting unstru- not stressed out, like not rushing around. I'm going to show up as my best self. Like all that stuff to me is connected. And so when I started to do that and, and be very intentional about practicing gratitude, my whole um, aura changed. Like my whole, like, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say I'm an optimist, but I'm definitely, I don't, I don't get that. I have moments of sadness, but I don't get that really like down because I'm so grateful. Like Tyrell, a hundred thousand people have died. No one in my family. Like, I still have income coming in every week. I still am able to go to the grocery store. I know how to braid my own hair, so I don't got to worry about, like, all of this long list of things that I'm just, like, I'm grateful for that. Uh, And so I think that that is, I try to instill that now in my nieces and nephews of, like, grateful. Um, And I'm not saying be grateful, like, accept anything, but be grateful for what I, like, find what the positive things are. Um, and then the last thing I will say quickly is, for me, and this is not everyone's situation, the other best thing I did was learn how to forgive my parents and accept them. You said this a little earlier, accept them for who they are and just that they did the best they could do with the knowledge and tools that they had. And did they do fuck shit sometimes? Yes. Did they do sometimes things that I'm like, do you care about what's going on here? Like, yes. But do I think they were, like, malicious? No. Like, do I think that they were, like, we want this girl to have... I actually think they wanted the very best for me. I think they wanted mm-hmm. my, my father passed, but my mother, she wants the best for me. She just don't, She just doesn't always know how to say it. She just mm-hmm. doesn't know how to go after it. But once I let... Once I started to let go of that, because I don't think a lot of us realize how much of our actions... How much the way we move is because of like where we felt we've been wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so once I let go of that, like my, I feel like a whole new world opened up to me. I wouldn't be able to be to work for myself. I don't think if I don't do if I didn't do those things. Because um, nice. I'm I'm coming up against people every day who are questioning me because I'm a black woman, you know, and who are like constantly like trying to beat me down. So I have to the more that I. I understand and recognize and grateful and recognize the love I have in my life. Um, I'm able to then face the world just in a different way. Nice. Nice. And it's, it's interesting um, that, that uh, you talked about the forgiveness piece. Uh, on my last interview, uh, I had recommended uh, a book, um, Do Yourself a Favor and Forgive by Joyce Myers. And it was too funny because I, I recommended this book months ago to a friend, and um, and I was uh, a DJ. So and then he ended up reading it, and uh, on the interview he was telling me he's like, "Bro, I finally got the book. I'm in to like chapter five or whatever." And it's like, "Thank you for the recommendation of it." And I, I told him how the book had came to me originally it was like, you know, I always like these these shirts that have a meaning or something on them. And one day uh, I was at work. And I had a sweater on that said, books saved my life. And uh, the lady who I was interviewing at the time, she ended up uh, saying, she's like, 
the books really save your life? I'm like, yep. And, and she's just like, so she said, well, I'm, I'm actually reading a book right now that is changing my life that I would like to recommend to you. And that was the Joyce Meyer, Do Yourself a Favor and Forgive book. And I read that book and it, it helped me tremendously. I think it, it came at a time when I was experiencing so much turmoil among my own siblings after my mom had passed away and learning how to handle what you could deal with and what you can't deal with and what you should deal with and what you should not deal with. And, you know, I mean, learning how to unpack things uh, and like people always say, you know, it's, it's when you forgive, it's, it's for you. It's not for other people, but it's easier said than done. Sometimes you got to put yourself on a Budweiser hot seat to go through those series of emotions, those experiences, those, those memories to, to be able to put yourself in a healthier position moving forward. Yeah, it's, it's the best thing one can do for themselves. And it's not letting people get away with stuff because I still confronted my parents about some stuff. Mm -hmm. But I just more so accepted them for the people who they are. And mm -hmm. I just, I just want to be an improvement on them. There you go. And that's it. And, and, and it, so it's, it's, never, it's never a knock. It's never a knock on what our parents did or didn't do. But a lot of times it's on how do I position myself to be better. I think about Lauren Hill. I mean, just to, to take it to a current event, her daughter had just uh, openly uh, spoke out and was critical of how, you know, uh, she experienced her experiences with her mom and her dad. And a lot of that, uh, uh, the trauma that she carries with that, with her as a result of it. She was like, you know, no, no, I'm not knocking them. You know what I mean? Because they did the best with the tools that they had. But at the same time, it existed. So in order for me to speak my truth, I have to speak on what existed. And that's it. But I'm going to be better as a result of it. Yeah. Let me see. Uh, question for you. Uh, if anything, out of, uh, if, if there was something that you could uh, handpick or choose, what about your life's path are you most proud of, Sheena? Mm. I would say, how do I put it into words? My, um, I think my ability to see people and see, accept, um, embrace. Like I have so many different kinds of people in my life and it's because I'm able to, um, and you know what I mean when I say see people, like, like see them see them. <laughs> I, I have learned uh, uh, to ask the question because I was definitely going to ask you and I was going to make a joke too. You know, see people like, I see dead people, you know what I mean? But no. So please explain to me uh, when you, uh, uh, what you're articulating to me when you say uh, you have the ability to see people because I would like to know your definition of that. Yeah. So I think even since a child, I've always had the ability to I would say see see who people are, not just what they're presenting. Okay. And I can pick up pretty quickly on um, 
how they feel about themselves, you know, just, just based off of how they interact. You know, people do certain things um, to, ma to mask themselves a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I, I would say a lot of the relationships that I have, post-relationships, and even the feedback I've gotten in those relationships, the reason why people feel comfortable with me is because I, I truly see them and respect who they are not who they feel like they should be or not who they're trying to be. Um, like, I literally accept them at the place that they're at. And it doesn't mean I like all of it. I mean, I let them know the stuff that I don't want to deal with. But um, for me, that is something I think that, again, the other stuff is just things that I've done. You know, I've gone to certain, I, I own a business and all that. But the, the thing that I'm really proud about is, yeah, just my ability to connect with people and have so many different kinds of people in my life. Like, I am, I know I keep saying this, but I'm so beyond blessed. Like, my life is rich with people. Um, just how I'm fearing this time, just as far as, um, I bought a house a couple years ago. And so... And congratulations congratulations it's a great house for partying it's a lot of space and so they were like um you know how are you doing and i was like i you know i have so many people in my life like i never feel an absence like i never feel like i don't have people around even though like people aren't physically around right now and i think that it's a big part of it is because i've been very intentional about letting people know that i see them i accept them um, you know, thanking them in the ways that they add to my life. And that stuff is going to carry me way further than any, you know, academic achievement or professional achievement. You know, when I'm old and gray and, you know, wants and just looking back on what I did in life, like the fact that I'm, I have so much love in my life, um, it's not by accident. Like I've nurtured that. And have really been intentional about um, the people I have around me, so I'm proud of that. And I'm and I know that not everyone has has that. Uh, not everyone can say they have people. Um, and my and the people that are really close to me, they're like ride or die. Like I want to I want to say they kill somebody for me. They definitely at least body up on my behalf. Like, and it's because I pour into people, and I'm. And again, I keep coming back to this. What I'm think, what's playing in my head is um, India Ari has this song, I See the God in You. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is how I interact with a lot of people. Like, I, I, see, the, I see the best in them. And I try to, to help to, like, nurture it and bring it out. Okay, okay. Uh, interesting choice of, of artists. Uh, because one, you know I me, mean? I love India Irie, and I think her Voyage to India album is a therapeutic session all by itself. No lie. I could listen to that entire album and feel like I'm in a counseling session, and it's helped me so many times. I never listened to a whole album by her. No? Voyage to India would be my recommendation for you then. I promise you. Uh, I started listening to that album. I want to say I might have been 
it must have been before undergrad because a friend of mine recently hit me up and was just like, yo, remember when you told me about that India Irie uh, album? And that was even before college. So the India Irie Voids to India album, that album, that's the one uh, that's got the, uh, 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 the song The Truth on it. You know, the truth. Well, anywho, I, my, my singing going to be all messed up on here. Anywho, I can't sing. So. What about Strength? Straight Courage and Wisdom. That's my other song by her. I don't know what album it's on. Um, okay. But Me neither. God in You was just, when I heard it, I, I mean, it's a little more, she's talking to a dude in the song, but just in general, like, that's like, that's like the highest compliment. Like, I see the God in you. Mm. Like, that, you know, that's amazing. And so I try to, I try to seek that out in people. Okay. Okay. Hey, I, I think it's admirable, and I think that it's, it's one of the best things that, that we can do, seeing people exactly where they are, realizing that we're all in different spaces. But in order to be able to really see people where, where you are, that's a testament to the self-dive that you've had to take uh, into yourself, because uh, you can't see other people uh, until you see yourself. As my mom would always say, Tyrell, the hardest thing for any person to do is to see themselves. You know what I mean? Once you get to that point of seeing and recognizing yourself, you know what I mean? Like I said, your own strengths, your weaknesses, and being okay with it and working on them, you know what I mean? It helps you to better relate and it positions you to better relate to other people. And you can draw from your own experiences. And you now you start to realize that, oh, that messed up thing that happened to me, it wasn't just for me. It was for me so I can better educate these group of people down the line in regards to that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, well, I know we're up against time. I got, I got uh, one last question for you uh, that I'm going to hit you with. Uh, if there were any resources that you wanted to share with the Albany community uh, in regards to books, podcasts, uh, 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 things that you are watching that helps to motivate you to do the Collier Connection to uh, uh, Boston Wild Black, everything. What motivates you? Is there any type of resources you would like to share with the Albany community? Let us know. Yeah, so one, I would encourage people to write. And, and I don't mean like being a writer, like a published writer. I just mean um, writing out your, your thoughts and your feelings and, and what you want. I, I, one, I think it's a great release and allows you to sort through things in a different way. Like talking to our friends is cool, you know, numbing ourselves with watching TV or whatever is cool, but I think that really writing has helped. I've always been a writer since I was young. I've always had journals. I have a little journal with a lock on it so my parents can see it. Um, but um, that helps me to process and, and figure out what my next move is or even figure out how I truly, truly feel about something. Um, and I think, you know, just back to Nipsey, like write it down and follow through. Like, any, anything that I've actually accomplished, at least in my professional, in my, in my entrepreneurial life, I can go back and find a notebook where I wrote it here. Mm -hmm. um, and even if you're not going back to look at it, I think the act of writing it, it like, it, like, it permeates through your body. Like it's, it's something that you self-conscious on. So that's just one thing in general, like not even a specific book, but that just anyone can do. As far as... Um, Stuff that I've, um, books that I would recommend, mm, 
yo, I've read thousands, thousands of books. So much that I've read in the more recently is more business related. So I'm trying to think of something that's um, more general. Um, I will say there's a book, it, it's somewhat business related, but it's really like life. It's called Never Eat Alone. Mm -hmm. And it really is the, like, part of my philosophy for how I move through life. It, essentially, the book is about building relationships. You know, it, it has a leaning towards professional, but I think it's true for personal, too. Building relationships, but you know how people say they hate networking. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's about being your true self, like, in building relationships that way. Like, so, for example, the author... He's, he talks about how he has this crazy network. He's like a pretty known person, but he's never been to a networking event. And he mm -hmm. said that what he does, the, the whole premise of Never Eat Alone is that just bring people to do the things that you already do. So he said when he meets someone and he wants to build with them, he brings them to church with them. Mm -hmm. So like, it's just like integrate people, show people who you actually are. Like you don't have to create a situation you to build with them like just be yourself and bring them into what you already do um so that that book is really good and it gives a lot of examples and, and ways to do it again it does have it is talking about for somewhat for professional game but i think in general it's um just a good foundation uh, foundational book that i found um i'm always myself like a hundred percent of the time like yeah. i'm at i'm in um, corporate meetings with my door knockers on and, you know, I have my flower in my hair and um, I just, and I'm, and I'm like dominating the room. And mm -hmm. it's just, for me, it's really important. And I think more of us would step into other spaces if we were more comfortable with ourselves and knew that we could like be ourselves. So I try to be an example of that and show people like, yeah, you can still like, Rock your bamboo. Sorry, it's my yeah. Rock your bamboo. And like, but as long as you like have it in you and like are able to deliver, you know, then you can still be yourself. So I really I recommend that. And then outside of that, I would just say, um, particularly for all that is going on in Omni, like I said, I you know, there's a lot of like pain. You know, I know that for my family, um, some of my younger like that there that not even letting them I mean they're in their 20s but like not even letting them go out at night because of all that's going on and just really mm. for their safety um I would love to figure out you know as you're doing these interviews with folks like us that I know care about the city like what we could actually do to have an impact I'm very I'm not one of those people Again, I've said this, like, I haven't lived in Albany in a long time, so I'm not trying to swoop in, like, oh, I got the answer, because I'm not even in touch with the day-to-day -day of what's going on here. But I do have, I've learned a lot. I have access to resources um, and care. That's my home, you know, and have people there. I have people there that can also act on my behalf. And so I would love to figure out and have a conversation with anyone who has ideas on, like, where do we need to start here? You know, are, are, what's already happening that we can build on that maybe just needs the financial resources to build, um, 
or needs maybe people kind of to what you're doing like they need to see people that have been able to do well to be able to like be like okay this is something that we could actually shoot for yeah yeah and you know i'm i'm, I'm just gonna throw this in there again it'll be my last plug for it you know eventually albany wild black you know what i mean might 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 be a great a great avenue for it because i know that was one of the things that always hurt me or affected me as a young black male up there it was just like you know what i mean seeing a space uh that was provided for me in the area to be okay to thrive you know what i mean i didn't always feel like uh that place or that space existed there and you know you come up against so many different pressures or a systemic racism in these pockets and then you come up against the threats that we have within our own community against each other too so it's just so many different things but you know uh, uh staying positive uh staying focused on uh what ways you can still help even being outside of albany you know what i mean is it's huge because you don't necessarily have to physically live there uh to to bring all of that resource i mean all of those resources all of the knowledge that you have to a community that you are connected to and that you uh, are vested in and you want to see thrive. So ultimately, you know what I mean? Keep staying connected. Uh, number two, keep doing exactly what you're doing right there in Boston because one, you are uh, uh, kicking down doors and, and uh, creating a space where people can be often, uh, uh, where their authenticity is able to shine. And I appreciate that. Because the word uh, authentic, authentic means everything to me. Being yourself, being comfortable enough to live in your space, in your shoes, doing it the way that you choose, uh, is is something that we all should get to. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, listen. Uh, uh, I appreciate the conversation. And being, listen, I, yes. I appreciate you being here to have the conversation. Because uh, one, like I said, uh, I know we would probably uh, uh, continue this, uh, um, but um, I think that your story will resonate. Um, and I think that who you are as a person and the fact that you focus in on what you just said in your own words, creating authentic spaces is, is so people need to see what you're doing. You know, I mean, the businesses that I'm running, uh, uh, the way that I can still walk into this boardroom with these top CEOs and still perform and still be myself and still be that same person who has, what you said, my bamboo earrings and I'm going to 16 bars over here on Central Avenue to get my music selection. So shout out to you. Congratulations on everything that you're continuing to do. Uh, thank you for lending your time and your expertise to our conversation uh and uh that community i hope that you guys uh uh one check out boston while black and the collier connection which are both businesses that sheena uh started uh and there's websites for for both of those uh, uh so you can see what she's doing how she's involved and be able to go ahead and uh what is it um uh, pick her brain and to see uh, uh, uh what resources and what knowledge she has we can bring back here to the Albany community. But uh, uh, thank you very much, Ms. Sheena, for, for your time on this Sunday morning. 
I won't steal any more time of it, and I'm probably not going to have any more free time. Anywho, I'm sure the kids can be running downstairs in a couple of minutes to come get me. So thank you very much. All right, brother. I appreciate you. Okay. All right. Well, well listen, man, uh, uh, you enjoy the rest of – oh, I almost let you go before. You got to tell me if, uh, if there was somebody that you would want me to interview – for uh, a back interview, who would it be? I almost let you go without uh, uh, asking that. I'm sorry. I actually, I actually met someone randomly last week who's a black woman doctor here who's from Albany. Mm. Um, her name is, um, I have to get her name again, but I was like shocked. I was, I was leading this session and people are going around and introduce themselves. She's out from Albany, New York. I was like, Yo, anytime someone's mm. like, mm -hmm. um, so just, I'm just, I'm, I'll get her info. I don't know anything about her story. Okay. But as far as folks that I know, um, I feel like we know the same people that have, particularly, particularly the folks that have left. Um, mm. I don't know if you know at all, um, Jonathan Mathis, he's doing a lot. He was, he's my age. And okay.